Good morning. Now that sounds right. That's the song I love. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXCX, the best talk in town. Today I am joined by congressional candidate for District 21 running against the dreaded Jim Costa, Michael Mark. First thing, I've got just a couple calendar things. Uh, tonight, the Clovis Chapter of Constitutionalists for California is having a meeting at the American Legion Hall at 6.30. That is June 2nd, 6.30 p.m., American Legion Hall in Clovis, and State Senate candidate Amnon Shore he is speaking. So looking forward to that. He's a good guy. Should be an interesting meeting. June 4th, this is for people more in Tulare County. Um they're having a Tulare County Freedom Rally from 12 to 3 at Roseanne Vuich Park in Dinuba. So that is June 4th, 12 to 3, Roseanne Vuich Park, Tulare County Freedom Rally. You know, just because we're from a different county, we need, when we're like-minded, to go down and meet those people. Unfortunately, I can't make this one, but I have been down to other grassroots groups because I think it's important because... I want to change California and I can't do it alone. I can't do it. I can change my county or at least with the help of others, but to change the region, we need to work together. My final event, Clovis Unified is having a meeting June 8th at 6.30 p.m. That is at 1680 David E. Cook Way. I encourage people to go to school board meetings and I encourage them to speak. Um, I've spent a lot of time doing that. I think it's important. That is kind of the foundation, the grassroots start of changing our community because the kids really matter. And some of the things that are going down with critical race theory, with deciding that they need to tell your kids about sex when they're little kids, when it's not the school district's business, those are all concerning. I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guest, Michael Marr. Now, what people don't know is he actually was supposed to bring his son, and it was his son that I invited to be on the air, and that his son said he would be allowed to speak once in a while. So unfortunately, Gabe, I understand that you're not thrilled that you're pulled out, not pulled out of school, but school is more important. Michael Marr, why are you doing this? Why are you running? Tell me about yourself. Well, thanks, Eric, and again... Uh, my son Gabriel is a little bummed that he wasn't able to make it. Uh, he said he's been practicing, and I don't doubt it for a second. Uh, he was. Uh, we had quite the conversation last night. I said, "But we'll get you back, uh, and we'll get get you on air at some point." Good. Uh, the reason I'm running is because of my wife and my two boys. And if everyone does remember, and they they should not forget, we must remember the mandates and what happened in the last 18 months, uh, and and what's happened in since this administration has taken over uh, the loss of our civil liberties, uh, our constitutional rights, uh, basic uh, common sense uh, business dealings, international dealings uh, has been thrown out the window. And for a person with my background in the military or in federal law enforcement in private business and my wife's family here in the Valley has been farming for generations, seeing the, really the the destruction of what government can do in such a short time uh, far exceeded what I ever thought possible. And I can't just sit by and say, uh, I'm not going to do anything about it and just complain. 
So it took a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, people calling and asking me, would you get involved? And I said I would. And my wife said, you got to do it. And everyone else said, Michael, we, we, we need somebody to stand up and do it and represent our district. Um, and that was pretty much the precursor for what brought me here. Well, you had a successful life. You don't need to do this. No. Uh, and you don't seem yeah. to want fame. So I truly believe that it is a calling. 100% a calling. And when I made the decision to get into this, I'm, I'm a Christian. That's my foundation. So if people want to say the quick and dirty, who's candidate Michael Marr? Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a believer. I'm from from the Valley. And I, I believe uh, in American exceptionalism. I, I served in our military because I love uh, our country. And I, I, I went to defend it after September 11th. When the, the country is attacked or the nation needs something, uh, I will stand up. And if not me, then who? Uh, and that's something that anyone who's listening to this right now needs to think about. How can I get involved? How can I support? Is it through prayer for the candidates? And that, that's one big thing I've pushed for a lot of people right now. I was uh, at an event a couple of days ago and someone said, we're the ones who got uh, uh, Andy Biotech out of office. And I, was, I said, excuse me? Uh, we were, weren't happy with the way he voted on a bill. I said, so how did that work out for you? Did you get an, your, your Republican candidate to replace him? No, no, we got a, a Democrat. I said, so let's think about that. How do we work as a Republican Party? Are, were you praying for Andy when he was in office? Are you praying for David Valadeo? Are you praying for even President Biden? Are you doing and holding yourself accountable to the same measure which you're holding your elected accountable to? And I know I'm guilty of that. I don't always pray for my elected. Sometimes I just complain. Yeah. And so that's something that we have to do as a, as a, as a party is come together and say, okay, I'm going to hold my nose. And I'm going to vote for this guy because this is how we defend our, our republic. Um, yeah. I, I, like, for instance, McCarthy, is, Kevin McCarthy is my new congressman. I held my nose. I think he's slimy. And I voted for him. Because I didn't see any alternative that showed any hope. And there's some hope with him. I just think he is totally part of the system. And when we have people in any place that we think are part of the system, we need to reach out to them. We need to let our voices be heard. And and as the district that McCarthy has has become even stronger Republican in this redistricting, it should push him more uh, to a a place that aligns with the actual people he represents in the, in the district. Let's hope. But prayer can push him that way. Prayer leads to action. Exactly. And, or should. It absolutely should. And that's what I'm encouraging everyone to do. Don't, uh, don't miss the mountains for these, these molehills and, and try to get behind or support a candidate at the destruction of our own party. This gets uh, with election integrity. This gets, on so many issues that the Republican Party does, what are the makeup of a Republican versus a Democrat is, is fundamentally different. We're entrepreneurs. We're the people who are going to go out and, and, and uh, make things and do things. Not saying that, that Democrats don't, but collectively, if you look at the ballot and you see how many Democrats are on the ballot and how many Republicans are on the ballot, because we all want to go out and make change, and we all think that we have the best way of doing something. And thinking about that and saying, rationally am i the person who's actually going to go forth and and do the best job at this or if i'm not 
how do I get behind that person? We had that when the governor recall. Mm-hmm. If we would have got behind a candidate instead of having so many candidates, we weren't able to, everyone was not able to have a unified voice to support some of the, and get Gavin Newsom out of office. And yet Larry Elder still got 60% of the people that voted yes. Exactly. But imagine what would have happened if it was unified. And that's what we have to do at every aspect of our party uh, at the local level, at the city council level, getting behind candidates that have a, sh- a sure and strong foundation. But, see, I think that's key. Um, do you have a governor candidate? Or are you willing to share that? Uh, I'm, yeah, and you don't have to. Yeah, I, I don't have a candidate that— uh, I do, and I'm uh, not a fan of Ryan Dolly. Right. How can you be a farmer and not put water on your website? How can you talk about COVID and never mention COVID tyranny? How can you magically come up with $40,000 to give to the endorsement committee two days before your wife gives it and somehow you end up with the endorsement? Um, Something's not right. I definitely stand. I would be okay with Anthony Tremino. Daniel Mercury, um, Sean Collins, though I chose Jenny Ray LaRue. But who we choose, choose in the primary, you talked about foundation, and I think that's really important. I think once we get to the general, coming together becomes even more important. But but you do have a very real point. I'm kind of torn on that. It's like, well, I want somebody that at least represents some of my values, and I will vote for Dolly if he's elected, but he's got some real flaws and I don't know that because he's not a dynamic speaker. I don't what, know what they're thinking. If they picked any of those other people, I'd go, well, at least they're the real passionate dynamic speakers. Absolutely. And I think there is some exciting candidates. You mentioned Collins. Uh, he's, he's exciting. He's I didn't exciting. choose him, but he's no. exciting. He's a real guy. He's a real guy. Uh, he's a veteran. Actually, we, he knows some of the guys that I serve with in the Bureau and in the, in the Navy. So, um, Solid, solid candidate, mm-hmm. and I think there's going to be a, a very exciting future for him. Oh, absolutely. I truly hope he runs. If he doesn't make it this time, I truly hope he runs again. Absolutely. And, and with the candidates, there is a, the, the the benefit of having the state party endorsement here. It, the, the amount of uh, get out the vote that's done by the Republican Party uh, is significant, and it, and it carries a lot of weight. But there is some... Uh, as Ricky Ricardo says, Lucy, you have some explaining to do. Mm-hmm. What's gone on in uh, what those those items that you mentioned on on donations and votes and uh, delegates? Uh, they are concerning, and there there should be explanations on this. And it's put me in a really interesting spot because I'm a candidate, a grassroots candidate from the valley. Didn't get in the race at, and even start this until January third. Some of these candidates have been campaigning for. Uh, 12 months or have had experience in campaigning before. And for me, I prayed, God, if this is what you want, open the doors and the amount of support that has come about and even doors that have closed that should have been opened, which were completely puzzling to me. uh, I see now how it all has worked together to get to the point where we are right now as the endorsed Republican candidate for the 21st district uh, against a a congressman who's been in, uh, in public office for 44 years. And it really hasn't delivered anything uh, for our valley. If you're in public office that long, regardless of the office, even if you move up, um, I don't know how that you're in touch with the real world. 
And that, that is a huge issue. We're seeing that with President Brandon. We're seeing that with Nancy Pelosi. We're seeing that with the Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell. And that's where you, you're you in a place so long. Are you really focused? I made a post on my social media today, uh, which you guys can follow at uh, Mar for Congress or michaelmar.com. Good teaser. Thank you. And it was get out the vote. It's been – this was something I spoke about earlier, election integrity. Election integrity is a real thing, and that's why we have a Secretary of State candidate. That's one person that I'm happy to support and endorse is Rachel Hamm for Secretary of State because she has a plan uh, for how to actually effectively run and manage that office uh, and, and what it does on elections. What we have done as a party is don't vote. Only go in person. Take your ballots. These are all great measures, but it's it's created a very disjointed message to all Republicans who want to vote. And I tell people we need to be unified and, and clear. The reality is voting harvest is voting voter harvesting is legal. Unfortunately, we, unfortunately, but... it is. So we need to make sure that we're doing everything that is within the law uh, in this election. If you received a mail ballot, take it, fill it out, drop it in a drop box or mail it in and get the confirmation you did. I actually took mine down to the Register of Voters office, turned it in, turned in my sealed ballot, and voted in person. I've already voted. And then, but that, but all those are options. But I think it depends on how likely you think that person in front of you is going to vote. If there's somebody that you absolutely like, they're going to vote. You know, like my dad never fails to vote. I'm not worried about him. Right. But I have other friends where they might get there, they might not. I've offered, well, I'll take it down to the Register of Voters office and drop it in inside the office for them. Exactly. And that's 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 exactly what was my point. Take it, mail it, drop it in the drop box, get that confirmation, go show up to your polling place. If you want to vote in person, go show up to your polling place and surrender it, or you can mail it that day if you're not able to get to your polling place. And, and then verify that, yes, your ballot's already been in there, you, you can't vote. We need to be diligent in every means. And if there's a person in your family or people you know say, well, we're not going to vote, hand them a Sharpie, have them mark through their entire ballot, just one line through it, seal it, and drop it off. And that ticks off that that ballot has been returned, and it eliminates a lot of the concerns that people have on uh, duplicate ballots. If, if we see, and I get reports, and you can contact your, your county election office on how many ballots have been turned in, and when that happens oh, look, there's 50,000 ballots or really a couple hundred thousand ballots that haven't been turned in. There is an opportunity uh, for voter fraud when you when you see that and do that. And that's been talked about uh, on both sides of the aisle on if you want to create a system with voter fraud, uh, mail-in ballots is, is the place to do it. And that's actually pretty much a quote from uh, the Democrat side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, about... Oh, 20 years ago, Jimmy Carter sat down and figured out how to fix elections so that there would not be problems. And his recommendations um, would actually fix most of the problems. Now, Jimmy Carter was a Democrat. Democrats have decided that all votes should count, and they've decided that People of color can't get an ID, which I consider to be just absolutely insulting. Um, I have nieces that are all of mixed race, 
and it's insulting. They are every bit as intelligent as, I, I hate to even say as white people, because are you kidding me? We're all just people. Well, that's the problem. That what, what happens when you do that is you're automatically having to be on a defensive. Yeah. And, and instead of saying, like Martin Luther King said, that we'll be judged by the content of our character, not by the color of our skin. I'm paraphrasing the right. quote. Right. And the, the point is, I'm tired. I've even had some posts on my social media. Where's the diversity? And I don't even respond to comments like that because uh, diversity is not skin deep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to steal that from you. It, it is absolutely not. And it you could have a, peop, a people from any ethnic group. There, There is ultra high net worth people from every demographic. Mm-hmm. So it's, what is diverse? What what does that truly mean? I loved the fact that when I was a kid, America was a melting pot. What is, happens when you when you melt something? You you make an alloy. You make something stronger. And we're not melting. We're not coming together. We're not uniting. We're being divided into individual groups based on skin color, based on gender, based on whatever ID or you choose to talk about yourself. Instead of saying, we are the United States of America, united we stand, we're coming together to work together. And I don't care what color your skin is or where you come from, if you want to defend the area that you live in, the country that that protects you, then let's work together and let's have a conversation. But this divisive and destructive politics is another reason. That's one of the first things I wrote when I got into this race. I'm tired. I am sick and tired of career politicians, special interest groups, and this divisive politics on both sides of the aisle. There's so many more important issues that we need to be focusing on here in this country. Just look what's going on in the world. We just had authoritarian mandates locking down the entire globe. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to have food insecurities that are that, that have developed because of this energy crisis. All of these things because of people who do not have a foundation and are not standing up for their country and their nation. I don't think they believe in freedom first. They believe in their power first. And they're backed up by the bureaucracy. And that's both sides of the aisle. That, that's, that is kind of the definition of the swamp. They believe in, in their power and their government first. Absolutely. And that's the challenge even with Congress. When you look at it, to understand how much money it takes just to run for office— and this is the thing that's been uh, enlightening to me as a business owner compared to now stepping into the political arena, how much money it costs to send a piece of mail, a postage stamp for everyone in the district. Uh, and as you start calculating all of those numbers, you can quickly see how things get expensive. And politicians are only concerned in Congress, how do I get reelected and how do I get reelected? And so how are you even doing the work of your your constituents, the people you represent, if you're only focused on raising money and then you get to D.C. and these special interest groups say, well, we'll help you with money or we'll do advertising for you or we'll do you, your loyalties can quickly shift. Uh, and you're no longer representing the people you're representing, the people that are keeping you in power and keeping your job. And that's the biggest problem with a lot of our elected officials. They've been in office since they were 21 or 22. They get out of college and they're in politics. I'll be 40. And I'm just starting to get into this. I have a foundation. If I if I don't get elected, I'll actually be better off. 
Oh, if I don't I, doubt you're, you're, yeah. you'll see your kids more. I'll see my kids more. You'll see your wife more. Everything will be financially stronger for me. But this is not a time that we need to be thinking about our own personal fortunes. It's the time that we need to be thinking about how do we save America. Absolutely. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. Good morning and welcome. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. I am joined by congressional candidate Michael Mark. He is running for California Congressional District 21 here in the Central Valley. Uh, His district is centered largely in Kingsburg. Can you define the district a little bit just so people have an idea? Absolutely. So we're Fresno County and Tulare County. And so using the 99 highway as a, a plumb line, right where the San Joaquin River is, Fresno, Madera County, take the 99 south all the way down to Visalia, the 198. So you'll come through Fowler and Sanger, or Fowler, Selma, Kingsburg, Traver, Visalia. Take the 198 all the way out to Exeter. It dips down below the 198 and gets Farmersville, gets Exeter, Badger Hill, going up through Woodlake, the foothills, uh, Orange Cove, Lemon Cove, and then brings itself back in around the 180, uh, Trimmer Springs, Sanger, and then it kind of pops up around Belmont, uh, Country Club, Sunnyside, the airport, and keeps working its way until uh, back to the uh, the county line. Okay, And it goes up through Fresno. It ends up, so you get some of the tower? We get all of downtown Fresno. All of downtown? All of downtown, and actually even a little bit uh, west of the 99, so east and not all the way to uh, to Crothers, but uh, and Kerman. It's just probably 15 miles east of the, the 99, if that. Just to kind of give people a general idea. And, and I'll tell anyone, if they want to know what district they're in, everyone's received their ballot. So open up your ballot and check. And if you have the 21st district on your ballot, and some of you might actually have the 22nd special election, so tick off Connie Conway. Mm-hmm. Let's get her get her in to finish out Nunes' term. And then there's also the 21st district on your ballot, and that's going to be uh, for the, the congressional representative for the next two years. Uh, and that's going to be Michael Marr. Let's Girl. hope. Um, if you hadn't noticed, look what shirt I'm wearing. What are we doing about inflation? Is there, is there a place that Congress has in, in that discussion? Uh, there should be a place that Congress has in this discussion. It shouldn't be a, uh, a one-party rule. Or one-man rule. Or one-man, no. And so the Fed, I mean, uh, I think Yellen even came out and said uh, she was not anticipating uh, inflation and uh, the market to, to do what has happened, um, which is, is alerting and concerning. If Highly concerning. I don't have near her education in her specific fields, and I knew it was coming. Everyone knew it was coming. People predicted it was coming as soon as they took office. And there, there is uh, some big financial minds out there that think if we have inflation, uh, we print more money, our deficit actually will decrease because it's at that valuation. But that's, that's a pretty destructive uh, policy. Uh, and it doesn't take into account the actual people who uh, live here or work here and how everything is actually connected. And that's a lot, largely due to uh, overprinting and then rising energy costs, which affect everything. Transportation, which is ag, food, business, the logistics at the ports. And the less money you make, the bigger it affects you. Absolutely. 
you know, if you were already struggling, now all of a sudden you might not be able to afford to fill you up your car so you can get to your job. And that's, that is the, the lack of understanding of America in Washington, D.C., and even among uh, the ultra high net worth. There's a, a clip that's around that when Bill Gates, I think, was on Ellen's uh, DeGeneres' show, and they would just give us the, the cost of how much do you think a carton of milk costs? How much does. And his numbers were, for anyone who actually does their shopping, just are, are astronomical. You think, and this was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And they do not understand. Even look at Nancy Pelosi with her, uh, you know, sub zero refrigerators and Hagenaz ice cream and. Essentially well, isn't saying, isn't all ice cream twenty dollars a gallon? Oh, absolutely. And where does it come from? Oh, no, let's not talk about the dairy industry. Let's get rid of that. Uh, let's, let's. Well, move we it should out. import it. Yeah. Because of inflation, I think that crime is being amplified because those that are desperate sometimes will move to crime. Not just out of desperation, out of convenience and ease. When you have. Uh, DAs like Gasson down in uh, uh, LA. LA and you have uh, San Francisco, all of these areas, we're not going to prosecute you. Mm-hmm. What does that, that tell the criminal element? This is very easy. I'm going to go in. I'm going to smash, grab, and and work with a fence and sell uh, high-end luxury goods. There is no disincentive to not uh, take up criminal activities. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a cultural shift where we've set up a situation where people aren't accountable for their actions, whether they're criminals in just so many ways, people aren't accountable for their actions. And it's, it's extremely problematic because that is the foundation. We, the, the foundation of America, what makes it truly uh, special and, and exceptional is being eroded. Mm-hmm. Our laws, uh, values, basic definitions of words, it is uh, systematically attacking the republic, and it, there is a desire there to say that there isn't foreign influence. This gets into Russia energy policies. There's m- multiple reports and, and clear evidence that foreign governments are trying to do uh, subversive actions in our country to help uh, destabilize and, and, and undermine our country. And a lot of the environmental groups were funded, and it's, it's public by uh, Russia. And what has happened? The the green energy, and I and I'm not against green energy. I actually am working in uh, some of those spaces, but not at the detriment to uh, our people and our way of life, uh, and not at the Solyndra. If everyone remembers what happened in the Obama era with these bailouts to special groups, uh, in a clear, thoughtful manner. But a lot of these groups on the environmental policies, these social justice, this Marxist ideology is coming in to destabilize this country, and it's already having tremendous effects. Well, they don't believe in a meritocracy. No. Meaning merit-based promotion within the country. You work hard, you live that American dream, you do the right thing, you can succeed. They don't believe in that idea. They want what they're terming as equity, which is absolutely equal results no matter what. Now, you got two kids. Everybody that has kids, are your kids equal? You might love them equally. You might treat them equally. But they have different gifts. They have different abilities. 
right within the same family. Because of those different gifts and different abilities, do you think they're going to end up in exactly the same place? I don't. Absolutely not. And ask yourself, do you want everything to be vanilla? They want diversity, but then they want... Well, they no want diversity. to tell you what that diversity is. And that's the pro- that is exactly right. And that's the problem of what we're seeing in this country is the definitions constantly change. We need to arm Ukraine and every citizen, we need to send them weapons. We need to take everyone's guns in the United States. Mm-hmm. There, There is no foundation in logic in most of these conversations. I'd say all the conversations that are, are highlighted right now in our, our mainstream media. And... Uh, it's a distraction and people need to turn off some of this media and focus on their life, look out the window and get involved in uh, their community and their neighborhood uh, and do that by voting and do that by in- getting engaged. Absolutely. Um, I always try to in- move people towards action, inform them, inspire and then inspire them to action. So I chose not to run. I chose to go a different route, but I see this as part of moving the country in a direction that I think will pres- preserve our our founding freedoms moving to the border congress does have a lot to say about the border how things are funded what what things happen it's not all the president you know they were able to largely stop trump from getting completing the wall if you're in congress what do you do on the border so that's the hard thing is it's already funded it's already been approved uh we have an administration that's taking executive action uh against uh laws that are on the books. And what do you do when you have a one branch of government defying other branches of government? And that's the, that's the amazing thing about our country and this republic of uh, these co-equal branches. But our border, we've had the population of an entire state come into this country across our border. So that's, in those terms, to think of having a whole other state full of people that are not citizens that are here. In maybe, our maybe for a good reason, maybe for a bad reason. We have no idea. And I'm not faulting anyone. Uh, if I was living in America is an amazing country, I take it as a sign of that's right. That's how amazing our country is. Everyone wants to come here. And I don't fault the mom, the dad, the kid who wants to come into the country. I would be trying to do that and get a better life. But I'd also recognize if I was stopped and I was told I can't come in, well, well, that makes sense because I'm actually trying to break into the country. Well, yes, but conservatives tend to follow the rule of law. And and they do. And this is the problem is it's not about the people coming across the border. It's about the organizations that are uh, assisting in the flood of people coming in. It's about the the not not just the, the, the nonprofit organizations, but the criminal element, the amount of uh, human trafficking, the amount of drugs that are continuing to pour across the border, serious national security threats that are coming across our borders. The cartels are making more money doing uh, smuggling and, and, and using coyotes to get people across the border. It is something that has to be, if we do not have a border uh, and a, and a uh, common sense immigration policy, that allows us to do farming and everything that we do here. Uh, how do we have a foundation of a country? And this gets to what we talked about. Everything is being eroded. What What is so bizarre to me is 
I know quite a few first generation Americans that came from communist author or, or authoritarian in either case types of government, big government places where they didn't have freedom. They seem to be the strongest advocates of freedom. And I totally believe their stories, but the left seems to think the solution is more government. If we just had more government, utopia would show up. I'm reading a book. Um, I think it's Who Cares Anyway. It's, a, it's about giving and charity. Really neat book. I'm only just just getting into it, but it's interesting to me. I think charity has a value in and of itself. It helps the giver because it puts them in a different mindset. It helps the person who needs the help, which is good. And it provides a solution that isn't government. That's huge. That's fixing your community rather than relying on government to do that. But one of the interesting points in the book is the left who believes in government doesn't give much money to charity. And there's great documentation in this book. And I think it's because they think that they're for policies that redistribute wealth and that is the same as charity and i do not see those as the same at all absolutely and that's that is a huge problem that's that's the interesting thing about uh the abrahamic religions um so in, in islam you have zakat giving a tithe and uh in christianity people give tithes and there's a, this denomination of 10 percent that you would give of uh and it's out of obedience yes and, and with that it helps put all of your money and all your finances in perspective. And then above that, you can still do charity and still giving. And you see a lot of the religious organizations actually trying to give back. And that should not be, government is not the solution for everything. I believe in a limited government. Uh, Same here. And that's when you, was it Reagan? You want to stop something, you regulate it, you tax it. Uh, and government is not the solution for our water issues here in the valley, for our energy issues, they're not the producers. The government doesn't produce anything. And this is the biggest problem I have with most of our elected officials. They have no business background. They have no experience ever holding a job or running something. They so might, no real world, world solutions. And that's what makes them scared to lose their job because they see it as a job and their livelihood. Instead of, if I'm elected and I do one term, and I, and I, and we don't hold on to it. Okay, I can go back and uh, make more money make, and see your family more. And and that's that's fine. That's not how our country was. We should not have a political ruling class uh, that is permanently in office and permanently doing these these um, inside deals. We need business, and we need government to work together. We need government. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for for very specific things. Exactly. But I think it's not a list that is this wide. It's a list that's like this. And the more local control there is, I think, the better, because we can make better decisions. Absolutely. You mentioned water. That's a big mess. Absolutely, it is. Um, but one of the most important things to the economy of the entire Central Valley. What can you do as a congressman? So there's a lot that we can do uh, in Congress. Uh there's some issues. I mean, Sigma is a big issue here, and that's a, that's a state matter. Uh, I can work as an advocate, as a citizen here, uh, to help uh, with those state matters. But on the federal side, 
the funding for how we ended up developing our our, our waterways, uh, our pumping. There is federal funds that can be made available to address some of these specific needs. Uh, we can do. I've, I've advocated for reservoirs uh, to increase our storage. We need up, updated and upgraded infrastructure. We're on a very old infrastructure that has reduced capacity because of environmental constraints. There's other solutions of how do we address some of the, the the real issues of why we're allowing a lot of water to flow out the delta and out into the, the oceans on dealing with some of the wastewater treatment plants that are, have their effluent that is going out. Right. Let's, let's get some programs in to actually clean up our, our water. Now, let me define that a little bit. There are several cities around the delta that are dumping their sewage into the delta. And because of environmental laws, we have to allow more water to flow into the delta so that it does not become tremendously contaminated. That is a hidden little secret. It's a, it, and I'll, I'll clarify. So I have, I, I did and worked uh, in nuclear power production in the Navy, and we actually uh, did a lot on the construction of wastewater and water treatment plants. And it's not the raw sewage or anything that's waste. What it is is treated water. It's gray water or wastewater that has uh, been treated that goes out. But there's certain things that are hard to remove from water through different filters. So you might have pharmaceuticals or other things that don't get removed. And I, I the easiest way to explain it is if you've ever used those little Mio pouches or uh, crystal light, or you mix a little bit with a cup of water and stir it up and you get the right proportion. If you drop that, uh, that same packet into five gallons of water, the proportions are off. And so if you're testing the effluent that's going in and being discharged into the, the rivers and it's low flow, your numbers are going to be high. The testing is going to say this is way out of out of line. So if we send more water past it, oh, that's all good now. It doesn't change the fact that there's the same amount of crap getting put back in the water that's affecting our... our it's just act, a, the percentage changes. The percentage changes. And it still affects the crustaceans and the creatures and all the good fish that live in, in that, that waterway. We need to deal with that. I'm actually about real environmental solutions, not fake environmental solutions with numbers and, and tax incentives that, that don't actually produce something better for our people and our community and our environment. And that's addressing uh, water. That's addressing our, our energy and our fuel. Why are we not doing more uh, energy production here? Why, is, uh, why don't we see more drilling? If we do clean energy better than any other state, why are we importing our energy from any other state? Why, if we do Especially ag- national, natural gas, which is fairly clean. Exactly. So natural gas, we have nuclear power. We even have Bakersfield. I mean, there's, we're pumping a lot of oil out. How we do refining, all of these things are done better in California than, there, than it is anywhere else. And that goes for farming. Let's we cannot continue to cut off water. There's enough water to supply all the people that are going to move to the Central Valley for for the next hundred years, plus increasing our farming. It's if we do it and manage it in in a proper way and stop pitting GSA against GSA. Uh, the GSA is for those people who aren't in the water. It's the Groundwater Sustainable Agency. So Sigma created and broke up. Uh, so basically, they're pitting groups against each other so that nothing gets done. Absolutely, and and the the biggest problem is they have to pay money regardless 
of whether they get water allocations. It, it's a messed up system and it needs to be it needs to be managed properly. We're going to go ahead and take our final break. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. Today I'm joined by Michael Marr. He is running for Congress in the Central Valley in the 21st Congressional District, largely centered in Kingsburg. It is a southern and eastern Fresno County, largely, and northern and eastern Tulare County. Did I get that about right? That's about right. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So it's actually the, now the smallest congressional district in the Central Valley. Um, well, that's convenient. It is convenient. I can get to one end uh, from Kingsburg in about 35 minutes to the other end in about 35 minutes. So Cool. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on water? or we can, or You were kind of transitioning from water to energy. Is there something more you want to say about energy? What, I, what can, as a congressman, what can you do? So there's a few, there's a few things that I like to see done uh, on energy and water. They they both go hand in hand. Uh, I know there's talk about desalinization plants, and people say, oh, it's it doesn't work. It works everywhere, and with the right power source, with the right power source. And so instead of there is people in, in Southern California and at the Bay Area who need water too. We also need to effectively manage our watersheds and how we're dealing with our forests. All of these things are connected. We cannot, and this gets into the other problem of having politicians only are concerned about their district and their people. We need to look at all of these solutions holistically. How how does our forest management policy affect our watersheds? How does our watersheds affect our farming and agriculture? How does it affect our our population and growing communities. And the biggest thing for our Central Valley, the amount of food that we produce for our nation needs to continue to be produced here. There are certain things that, yes, other states can do. Mm-hmm. What but, we can but do. Not stone fruit. Not stone fruit. Not our fruits and vegetables and stone fruits of what we can do here. And nuts. Is, is amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And then also our dairy industry. A lot of people will say, we, well, let's move our dairy industry out, out, of, out of the valley. It's very water intensive. Not if we're actually managing and utilizing the waste, just like we do at our waste plants, and using it to produce renewable fuels. Why can't we use that? I know companies, I brought a company up here and launched it at the International Ag Show, and they do that. They'll make jet fuel. You'll get even like about four times as much money as you do even taking the digesters and putting them into a, just energy back into the grid. There are solutions that need to be looked at holistically. If we get rid of our dairies here in the Central Valley, what about Haagen-Dazs? What about Kraft? What about uh, Saputo? What about Marquez? But all of these places that need dairy to produce ice cream and cheeses and whey's and where where are they going to get their milk? Where are all those jobs going to go? Well, then, then probably the Midwest seems to be one of the big places. What is the environmental impact of shutting those down those plants and building new plants. If we're really concerned about our global environment, we need to look at this thing in a global environment. If we have, and California prides themselves on the best best energy, best uh, codes, the safest, the, the cleanest, the cleanest, then why are we not continuing to keep it here? And why aren't we doing it in a, in a productive manner? And why aren't we making sure that our, our, right now with baby food, 
what we do and what is produced from the milk that it, from our cows goes into so many different products. It's incredible. The same thing with the petroleum industry, our plastic bottles, uh, yep. pretty much the whole pharmaceutical industry. Uh, uh, the the uh, there's there's so many products that are developed from the the raw materials of dairy of petroleum, and that gets into we need to have water here to 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 have our dairies. We need water here for our farming, and then we also need good energy so we can continue to run the state and we don't end up turning out where we're having constant brownouts. We're starting to wind down. We're down to about four and a half minutes. How do people contact you? Thank you. They can go to the website. Just It's my name, Michael Marr, uh, dot com. And on the website, you can find everything from how to donate, how to get a yard sign, uh, and the social media links. Uh, and all of those things I'd ask people to follow uh, and send in donations. Uh, that's the, the easiest way to get on. And then also just Mar for Congress on the social platforms is the, the way to find me. So I'm on Truth, Social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's important. Why are you hopeful? Why would you do this? What What's drawing you to, to do this? I'm extremely hopeful, actually. Uh, what happened after one of, one of the unintended consequences of the benefit? Uh, I left uh, my office down uh, in Southern California to be here with my family during the, uh, the, the lockdowns. There are so many people that did return, and there's a lot here that can be done. And focusing here in the Central Valley on what we talked about, we can accomplish some of these things in the in the next few years. The, the timetable does not have to be long and drawn out. I'm tired of our politicians drawing them out. I can bring in business relationships to do these things and help facilitate through the government. There's so many things that you can do in Congress just through being in office in that position that does not even require legislation. There are so many programs available. And so my background with the federal government as a, a FBI special agent, I have great relationships at, at most of our major agencies. Turning on and leveraging those relationships for the benefit of our, our veterans, our farmers, and the community here, uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited for the things that uh, I have planned and working with so many people here in the Valley. So... Even though you weren't there as a politician, you have connections in D.C. I, I have uh, really good relationships with the people I've worked with th- throughout my entire career uh, in business and, and in D.C. And uh, I don't have to have any warm-up time to figure out where the bathroom is or how to get around uh, the <laughs> Capitol. Uh, but I also have uh, a decent understanding of some of the pitfalls and the areas that, that to be on alert for uh, so uh, I don't turn into a swamp creature. That very frequently happens, and, I, and and you explain why, but I think having a strong foundation in what you believe, and I know where that foundation is for you, um, is instrumental in, in giving you that strength and also having the, enough perspective. And, and the biggest thing is I want to be able to come back and have communications with the people who are in our district, are in our valley, and help answer questions. I'm... We need to have transparency in our government. Our elected leaders are not on a pedestal. I'm a citizen of the Valley just like anyone else and of this great country. 
and we should be able to have open, free, clear dialogue and a respectful dialogue with every person uh, in the state. And I'm I'm hopeful. Serv- servant leader. What what's up? Politicians don't do that. It it needs to be that way. Absolutely. And it really does. And we need to have people who are going to say, how do we find the next generation of people? I don't want to be in office for 20 years. I, I would ask that you hold me accountable to that. I don't want that. We need to be working and identifying people in our own uh, our own communities, in our churches, uh, in our, our, our groups, in CFC. How do we get these people prepared and, and uh, a foundation so that they can go serve? And serving is not necessarily Congress. The fact that you're oh. jumping at the, in at this level is a big deal. It could, it's There's a lot of appointed positions that get you used to working with government. There's a lot of smaller elected positions that I think are an easier place to start. We're just about done. Final thoughts. About 15, 10 seconds. The final thoughts are uh, we all need to hold ourselves accountable. And we all need to be focused on how we can be change makers in our own life. Well, I thank you for sharing this time with me. This is Eric Rollins, the Constitutionalist, here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. Go ahead and give your website one more time. That's just michaelmar.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-A-H-E-R.com. Michael, I thank you for spending this time with me today, and I wish you the best because we need people like you serving in Congress. Thank you.